Hi, I'm Lisa Wagner, and you're listening to another episode of the Epic Mind, Body, Spirit podcast. As always, you can find more information about this podcast series, as well as details about this particular episode at my website, epicmeditations.com. So as I sit here at home on this cold and snowy winter day, I am so happy to be joined by the warm and bright shining best-selling feng shui author, Karen Rao Carter. <laughs> Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Glad to have you here. I have to tell you, um, when I sat down this morning to get everything in order, you know, make sure Skype was working and I had, um, you know, my thoughts together and all that, I sat down at my desk and I thought, oh my God, I can't talk to her from this desk. So I had to feng shui my desk, you know, and get rid of the clutter and, and make it a really nice space so that um, I would be ready to talk to you. So thank you for that. I've been needing to do that and, and see even there you inspired me. But um, I'm really excited to have you here in particular to talk about two of your books, uh, Move Your Stuff, Change Your Life, and the newly released Make a Shift, Change Your Life. Um, the thing that I really love first about both books is, you know, you have a lot of content. There's both, both breadth and depth to what you offer. And it's written though, in a way that's very conversational, easy to read, but not like cutesy or gimmicky. Um, the way some authors kind of come across, I think when they want to make something fun, it's really more like, you know, you're one of my girlfriends and you're sitting next to me and you're explaining, you know, how shifting my energy in my home can change my life or office or wherever. And it's really, it's such a, it's such a great balance between the esoteric um, behind all of this energy work and then the practical pragmatic, you know, you, you, you're able to go to the big picture, but then give us no kidding, specific, tangible, hey, do this kind of stuff that makes it very accessible and helps us begin to make those connections. Um, when I first read your book, Move Your Stuff, Change Your Life, several years ago, I, you know, I, didn't, I knew next to nothing about feng shui. I don't even know if I knew how to pronounce it. And the two most common reactions I had while reading it were, oh, so that's why I you know, fill in the blank. That's why I moved that there or that felt good there or why I didn't like that there. And then the other reaction I always had was, wow, I, I never would have thought of that. And wow, this will really work. And, you know, that's what it prompted me to fix a corner cabinet in my kitchen and, you know, increase my prosperity. And so you showed me how making a physical change in my environment with intention could change the energy of my life. And that's big. And then your, your most recent book that just came out, Make a Shift, Change Your Life, you know, it took that whole breadth and depth thing and just went wider and deeper. You know, it, you're showing, uh, explaining to us again in your very warm conversational tone how to feng shui our life and how to um, take the intention that we have for changing our life and make physical changes in our environment to realize that shift in our life. So it's just fantastic. And I am so excited to have you here today that I get to talk to you. 
<laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> that was quite a little entry there. Oh, Woo! good, good. Well, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad for that. So what I'd love is um, for people that, you know, maybe aren't familiar at all with your books, if you could start us off just by, you know, talking a little bit about the essence or purpose of feng shui and um, how you got started in it. Well, feng shui is a, is a method of mindfully arranging your your life, you know, through the metaphor of your home, uh, so that it supports you consistently as opposed to willy-nilly or maybe or hope for the best kind of a thing. So a lot of it's done with intention. And I say with the right intention, you can hardly go wrong. So I take a much more whew, relaxed, you know, view of this just because I've seen the power of the yin forces, because there's the yin and yang of everything, or the uh, the invisible forces of your intentions. So I got into feng shui. Um, I'm a landscape architect, and I needed to learn. <laughs> this is like, oh, my gosh, I'm really showing my age here. But back in the day, back in the day, Missy, uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, the building industry was suffering in because uh, California was pretty hard hit in the building industry. <clears throat> and so I went to Hawaii to look for work. And they said, if you don't know feng shui, forget it, because it's all Asian development money coming from the other side of the pond over there. And uh, so we, um, you know, so I went about learning feng shui basically to survive as a landscape architect. I was not interested in changing my careers. I was not interested in being woo-woo or anything, you know, because I... I didn't even know what feng shui was, as not many people did back then. I read the one book that I could find in English at the time. and um, But then I started practicing it. And I started studying why certain things work, like a crystal? Come on, what could that possibly do? And then I learned about the law of refraction. And then I learned about the law of reflection with mirrors. And things like that, and color and stuff. So I really started getting into the science behind feng shui, where I could... Well, you know, where I could have a conversation with somebody and not feel like I'm a Looney Tune. And then I decided to write a book about it because it was just not, there weren't many books back then. And, um, you know, so I wrote Move Your Stuff, Change Your Life. It was a very edutaining book. I was an escape architect, so I know that people like to laugh while they learn. So I wrote an edutaining feng shui book. And uh, so it's, you know, kind of a campy-ish, you know, pop culture referencing feng shui book. And um, it took off so well. And it kind of branded me as a feng shui consultant. But I actually knew a lot about a lot of different other things that I wanted to expand, you know, because there's so many ways of, of shifting your life. And so years and years and years, you know, finally here in January, years and years later, I released Make a Shift, Change Your Life to showcase the other, because I mean, me personally, I love feng shui, but I will use anything if it, if it gets results for my clients. I don't care if it's called feng shui or any holistic medicinal thing. I, I, I really don't care. And so I want the best for my clients. And sometimes you can change the chicken just as easily as the egg. You know, you can change the, the person's eating habits as you can change their, their home. So I do, I do it all. And that's why I wrote Make a Shift, Change Your Life to sort of branch out. So in the, the Make a Shift book, there's uh, the body, mind, spirit, and environment. Environment sections, so you can really 
from a spiritual point of view, or you can really start working with your physical body, or you can work with your environment, or literally changing your thoughts. So a lot of these things can, um, you know, leapfrog you so exponentially ahead in life if you take on these, uh, you know, four zones, you know, Mm -hmm. that beyond just moving your furniture type feng shui. So that's kind of how I got into feng shui was really surviving as a landscape architect. And then um, I used it and it changed my life. So there you go. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I love the point you make. Really, any kind of divinatory tool is useful if you connect with it. You know, if you if it becomes a mechanism for you know, listening to your intuition, voice inside, you know, whatever you want to call it. And feng shui is yet another example of that. And that's the thing I loved about the first book is that you really, you know, you don't have to know a lot of technical stuff. You don't really have to, well, first off, you don't have to know anything about feng shui and you don't get into a lot of uh, super technical aspects of it. It's really, that's what makes it so practical and usable. Um, I mean, you explain basic principles of feng shui, but it's really just yet another way, you know, you can, I mean, like for me, when I, when I said one of the reactions I have was, oh, so that's why I, because, you know, just by sort of listening to my own voice, I, I did certain things in my home. I wasn't sure exactly why, but I knew that it felt better. Or I knew that it mm-hmm. caused a little change in me. I knew intuitively what to do, but I didn't know the connection to the feng, feng shui principle. So your your book helped me to see that, which then helped me use feng shui to then make more of those connections in you know, in regards to the home. And so, yeah, and then, then the second book, I'm very excited about it because you really, you know, you're just, both these books are very different and very complementary. And so where the first book makes feng shui very accessible, I think the second one really starts to just take working with the energy of your life and feng shuiing that. And you give these, um, you go through these different areas or levels at which you can do it, which is, which is really, uh, really cool. Um, now I got to ask you in anticipation of this podcast, I, I started talking to people about what would they want to ask you? And uh, so in the interest of talking a little bit about some specifics, I have a few questions that I'd like you to touch on um, that uh, folks were interested in. And one of them, uh, first one, is just really basic and simple. Everybody agrees that real plants in your home and flowers are best. But what about artificial, like beautiful silk flowers over dried flowers, for example? So... Um, there are living objects. That's one of the nine traditional cures. And so a living plant is certainly considered, you know, a good energy provider because it brings life to the area. And just like the opposite of that would be dead, an ash, you know, ashes or an urn full of ashes or something like that. So people keep these ash urns all over the place and the place feels just sort of slow, dead, still, things like that. Now, when it comes to artificial flowers, I consider artificial flowers or silk flowers, um, they are a symbol of a living object. So symbols are another one of the nine traditional cures, like sound, light, symbols, color, moving objects, live, you know, living objects, electrically powered objects, other, and symbols. So you've got to love the symbols. It's great to use symbols a lot. And um, so they would be a, a symbol 
of a living object. Now, dried flowers um, have that more crispy, crunchy, ash urn type dead quality to them. So if I were to put them in order, I would say that the real plants are my number one choice, bring about the most um, bio-friendly energy. Uh, the symbol of fresh, inviting flowers would be second choice, and I probably wouldn't use or have crispy, crunchy bowls of potpourri, dried flowers, old boutonnieres from proms, you know, mm -hmm. wedding bouquets, things like that lying around, just because I don't want my environment to take the hit of that still dead energy. In, in another way, um, in art, speaking of symbols, if you don't want a still life, don't have still life. Oh, you know, I so, love that. Yeah, so don't have that very still-looking yeah. art because that promotes that stillness. If you, now maybe your life is flying around the world, you know, 350 days a year, and mm -hmm. you just want to come home and just be still and meditate and do nothing, okay, right. still life. Right, So right. you see how it's all about balance. Yeah, it is. And, well, you know, reading your book, one of the things that it made me relook at silk flowers differently. And over the years, I found some really gorgeous, I mean, now they make such, I've had, I mean, I have flowers in my office that people always pick up, they want to smell because they think they're real. They're so <laughs> vibrant. And so I definitely have, uh, you know, I used to not, I don't know, they were fake. I wasn't interested in them, but now that I, I found really beautiful ones and you're right, the symbol, you know, when I look at them and I see they look like fresh flowers and it made me realize that, um, you know, what our brain our brain reacts to things almost the same, whether it's real or not, based on what we think about it and feel about it. And so, and you know what, um, Greg Braden uh, and Bruce Lipton, you know, those guys, mm -hmm. they, um, they are tooting the same conversation here where right. they're saying it is, they go even one step further. And that's kind of more in my make a shift change yes. your life book where it is, not just your environment that is making or breaking life, but your perception yes. of your environment. So it could be the most wholesome you know, thing going, but if you are perceiving it as dangerous and you're vulnerable and whatever, mm -hmm. your fight or flight uh, chemicals start changing in your body and mm -hmm. life starts getting mm -hmm. tough, you know? So it is, the, it is your perception of the environment. So if you perceive those uh, artificial flowers is vibrant and spring-like and rejuvenating, mm -hmm. you know, then they have that capacity to bring that energy to you because of your perception. Yeah. And that, that's what's so exciting about this, this, the Shift Your Life book. In fact, I was kind of trying to explain it to someone the other day. This, these were newer ideas to her. And I said, um, it's kind of like, you know, when you watch a movie and you, these are these aren't real people, you know, they're, they're characters. They, they don't even actually exist. This is a story someone wrote and these people are enacting this story, but it touches you so deeply and you cry and you feel things just like you would if they're real people. That's why real tears form in your eyes because you're, you're experiencing real emotion. And even though it is about you know, artificial people, that there is something very real about how you react to anything if you perceive it as real. 
and it yep. causes the same changes in your body, just like watching a movie that's joyful and fun and makes you happy, releases all those good chemicals in your body and watching something that disturbs you or is horrific to your eyes or in some way doesn't feel good for you. It isn't good for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's a really, so that's, and let's just kind of move into the next book because actually the next question, um, you can really answer from any context. And that was setting up a creative space in the home, like some, some suggestions or tips for how to make a space in your home that you can feel very creative in. Well, yeah, that goes back to your perceptions, right? What is it? What feels creative to you? So if you're trying to create a space to do a particular function in, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people that go, oh, ever since I moved into this house, I haven't painted once. And I used to adore and love spending time painting. And I go, well, show me your painting area, you know, your painting zone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, this house didn't really have my special room, so it's in this Tupperware container under my bed and the thing, and I have to pull it all out. And I'm like, well, if you build it, you will come in paint, you know. Right. So we have to create that space. And, um, you know, as a feng shui consultant, it's not about what I perceive and what I decide is creative. It's what what supports you. It's it's so interesting that it just popped in my head when I was um, working as a landscape architect for a firm. Uh, they had a really top-notch architectural firm design our workspace. And they they designed it for right-handed people and I'm left-handed and so the phone was on the wrong side that it just the whole space did not work for me I was just sitting there with telephone cords wrapped around me I couldn't do anything you know and so um, I scooched my desk around I made everything so efficient for me I even created better layout space more storage everything but um, the head of the company came around with a note on my desk that says put it all back So I'm like, you would rather have me look good than function. Mm -hmm. And so some people are trapped in that. Um, Mm -hmm. They create these beautiful, I call them fake living rooms Mm -hmm. that are supposed to be just welcoming people. But, you know, basically it's a room to dust once a week. And um, in the name of, well, I should have a sitting area and I should have a, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it just required a southern accent there. And so um, so we're just looking for what really supports you and the functions that you do in life. Not basically, you know, I have to have a formal living room because that's what the developer who developed this track housing thing that I bought into, right. uh, you know, had over there. I'm like, guess what? You never eat in your dining room because you've got a big eat-in kitchen and you need a space to mm-hmm. exercise. Your, quote, dining room is now your home gym. Yoo-hoo! And I give people, you know, permission to use yeah. the house in yeah. a way that fully functions for them. And they don't have these things tucked away or they don't have the treadmill next to the bed and, you know, these incongruent functions. And so it's about creating spaces that work for you. And if you're not doing something, um, like maybe you have a meditation practice and ever since you moved into this new house, you don't have that um, you know, it's it's about really trying to carve out square footage mm-hmm. for the functions that you do and make that, quote, you know, prepackaged or, you know, developer ideated, you know, home, make it work for you. 
Right. Well, you know, in your book, um, you talk about the Bagwas. I don't know if I'm saying that properly. And, um, you know, in the more, um, what I'll say more strict or traditional feng shui, you're supposed to, you know, measure everything out. And I think use a compass or, you know, whatever. Um, but what I like about the, the way you write about the, the zones or the Bagwas in the home is it becomes, it's less about making, you know, how many inches or feet is this, that, or the other, but it talks about these different areas of your home and how they relate to you in your life. And that's really what matters more. If you cultivate with intention, these different areas within your home to match what you want your life to be, that's how you get that synchronicity between moving your stuff and, and changing your life, right? Right, yeah. So the Bagua, which is the little map of feng shui, and um, like you were talking about in different, there are many different styles of feng shui in case there's people that don't know that. So it's kind of like there's many modalities of healing. You know, maybe you have a sore arm, a massage therapist might say, oh, you need a massage. And an acupuncturist might say, oh, yeah, let's stick some needles in there. And another person might say, let's rub, you know, some fab on it. And somebody else might say, you need surgery. You know, it's just mm -hmm. there's many different ways to right. attack a particular problem. And so there are many different styles of feng shui. Some contradict each other, just like in the modalities of healing. They fully contradict each other. Right. So, so one's not better than another. Perhaps, you know, uh, one might work better for you. So choose one that works for you and, I, and go with it. Right. And I think um, the thing for, for me with your books is that it's because of the accessibility, it's a great place to start. So even for someone who's interested in feng shui, even if they want to get into the more technical, I think getting involved with it in a, in a more, uh, I'm going to call holistic way, helps to be a springboard then to find, you know, to fine tune your own way of doing feng shui. But for the creative space or any space in the home, what I'm getting from you is it's important to identify a space in the home, regardless of the, of, of how it would fall out on the, on the Bagua map, but identify a space and then adjust the space so that it feels like a place where you can be creative and that'll be different colors for different people or different table surfaces or whatever. But it's about bringing the intention that says, I want to be more creative and I want to have a space in my home to express my creativity. So I need to find a niche for that and, and support that work there. Right. Exactly. Okay. Very good. I, well, I've been reading your books, you know, so, um, um, let's see. And then the last question that I was, I wanted to bring up that's a specific kind of thing is a lot of people have a bedroom with a ceiling fixture, a ceiling fan. And if you could just talk briefly about that, um, and particularly if, is it okay if it's away from the bed or what can you do about it? And, just there's right. a lot of uh, discussion that people have about those in the bedroom. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I really, how I approach a consultation is I really try to find out what do you want to change in your life? Where are you now? Where do you want to go? And let's build the stepping stones to get you there. And <clears throat> some ceiling fans don't really interact with what's going on in their life that much. <clears throat> and some do. I would say the ones that are, excuse me, <clears throat> that are over a bed or over your desk where you spend a significant amount of time, 
might be a ceiling fan that I would have some concern about. And it's just because it's kind of like the, the Goldilocks and the three bears of energy. So there's fast-moving energy, there's slow-moving energy, and there's just right. So we're trying to find the not too big, not too small, not too bright, not too dull, not too hot, not too cold. You know, that's the whole, you know, Goldilocks sums up feng shui. It's all about getting it just right. And a ceiling fan overhead over a significant amount of time can make you feel the end result is um, there's pressure. It's like it's almost like a cylinder of energy smashing down on you. Mm. So if you have this weight or pressure or um, or even kind of a oh like a disturbed feeling. For example, I had um, a client who was morning sick. And she had, and she says, oh, my stomach is just turning all the time. And, and the, the, the ceiling fan was on over her bed where it's turning all the time. So you really have to look at how you even language your complaints and then possibly go find that exact thing going on in your house. That's turning, perfect. You know? I love that. <laughs> I love that point. Look at the language that you use to talk about your complaint because that's the blueprint, right? That's the roadmap to what you need to do about it. How, right. Listen wh- to your complaint. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. So if you're drained all the time, yes, you're drained. Oh, I'm so drained all the time. I'm looking at your plumbing. Mm-hmm. And if you keep getting tripped up at things, you know, maybe I'm looking for sidewalks that are, you know, the crack and it's all, there's a thing that you trip on or, you know, it's it just, uh, or people say, I'm so stuck. I'm just stuck. I just can't, I can't get ahead. I'm stuck. I might look for doors and drawers and windows and things that don't open and they're stuck. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for that essence or that energy quality. If it's in your life, it's somewhere in your environment. And if you can just go find it and make a shift there, you will shift the energy towards, um, you know, where you want to, where you want to head. So yeah. for a ceiling fan, if it's overhead, I usually just hang a leaded glass crystal from the pole mm-hmm. because now we're using that law of refraction, like I was talking about earlier, and refracted light breaks straight lines it's kind of like a disco ball takes one you know a stream of light and sprinkles it in those little dots of light all the way around the room that's what a crystal does so if you have a crystal between the top of your head and the bottom of the fan and uh so it disrupts and disperses that energy as opposed to having a really straight solid bunch of energy hitting you right on top of the head. That's perfect. I have to tell you, I, I, I mentioned this at the beginning, but um, when I read your book and I, I decided uh, might, I, I moved into a, a new home last year, but uh, where I was living before, when I read your book, my kitchen was in my prosperity zone. And in that very far you know, left corner there of the kitchen was a corner cabinet, um, one of those that turns, you know, and it was broken. Mm-hmm. And I read your book and I said, uh, one day I was in the kitchen and I made a connection. I said, I need to get that fixed so that I can use it properly and it'll easily turn. And I did. And my finances took a positive turn not long after that. And a series of things turned and changed. And, and I mean, I literally, when I was talking to somebody one day about the words I was using, I had forgotten about fixing the cabinet and I kept using these words about, how this is really, it's like, this is a revolving now. And I, and I listened to him, all my words. And I thought, Oh my God, I fixed that cabinet. Oh my gosh, I really did it. So it's so funny how sometimes these things can have almost a literal 
connection, you know. Um, and when you get good, when you get good enough at the game, it's it's kinda literal. It is so yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's just conical. It's just like, oh my god! Of course, we're gonna find this thing right here because it's exactly what you said. That, you know, it just yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's good for a laugh. <laughs> so, so your, so your latest book, it just came out and, uh, you have these, these kind of five main areas you talk about, you know, preparing for the shift, being willing, uh, getting your mind, right, your environment, dealing with your body and your spirit. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, really it is about feng shui in your life. So what I'd like is if we could just very briefly kind of touch on these areas to give people a sense of, of what's in it. And the first thing I love that you opened up the first chapter with preparing where you, you talk about intention and you even have a, um, a, a, a famous quote in there about that. Um, and I also, I loved you, you made a more modern reference when you talked about, you know, if you build it, they will come. Um, from Field of Dreams, but intention, it's really the core of everything, right? Being willing and intending. Right. Intention, knowing, you know, your true intentions, not being driven by the background noise of your subconscious thoughts. You know, 95% of everything we do is driven by some story that we heard in the past. Right. (laughs) You know, it's just breaking free of that. And quite often just shedding light on it and, and, and turning the light on in the room and seeing, oh, <laughs> that's just my old story that somebody told me that you have to work hard for money. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> it's not true. It's just something in my mind, you know. Mm-hmm. So understanding and preparing yourself to know where you are now and understanding the basic laws of energy, like like attracts like. And, right. and I threw in one of my favorites is anything is possible. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many quote miracles I've seen, you know, in the name of feng shui or whatever the work that we're doing. And, um, it's, I've had the luxury, I'll say, I've had the luxury of having a death experience. So I died, came back, you know, the whole nine yards that you hear about in the stories these days. Mm -hmm. Of course, back in the day, it was before the term near-death experience. So Mm -hmm. I used to always say when I died and came back. Mm -hmm. And um, that afforded me the the gift of knowing that there is no such thing as time. You know, they Mm -hmm. say, oh, they've proven there's no such thing as time. And you go, okay, there's no such thing as time. But really, before that happened, that happened. And then that happened before that. And how does it not linear time? And I don't get it, but okay, whatever you say. Right. We think sequentially. I mean, that's... We think sequentially. And I had the opportunity of getting outside time. So coming back, I have this kind of visceral remembrance Mm -hmm. of this thing where not only is anything possible, but it's possible immediately. And it's uh, what is stopping us from having that. Right. It is our thoughts. I mean, you know, if you have the belief that you got to work hard for the money, do you think it's going to come easy for you? That's, that's how you've decided to plan your future. Ew. You know, Mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that our mind uh, conversations are clean and working for the team and not sabotaging of the team. And then we want to make sure that our body is, you know, fully supported. And of course the environment, you know, I love feng shui and getting the environment to function and work for you. And, you know, there's one place that 
you can forego all of this, quote, you know, uh, uh, three-dimensional kind of nonsense and work the yin half or the invisible energy part and serve your spirit. And, and you know, um, that inward journey that sort of dismantles all, a lot of those thoughts and, and overcomes environments and, and things like that. So... Yeah. And, you know, I want to connect two things that you've said. You know, we talked about perception um, and the power of that. And then also this sort of um, the, the, the power of this nonlinear thinking, you know, and being able to kind of see how our actions now kind of it, it, it is a more life is all happening right now in this moment. You know, when I first started to really open up to that, what I realized was I thought about changes that I wanted to make in my, in my life. And I thought about things that were stopping me, you know, old pains or memories or things like that. And I realized that when I was willing to see those things differently, I began to remember them differently. Mm. And in effect, I did change my past. I mean, now someone can kind of step back and say, I didn't necessarily change the circumstances, but I changed my experience of the past because I was willing to see it differently. And I began to remember it differently. And I began to remember other things that I had forgotten about. And so in a way I, in the present, I, I reinvented or recreated that now, you know, dates and times. And I'm not saying, you know, I don't, someone listening to me thinking I somehow magically traveled, <laughs> you know, back in time and made it blue instead of red or something. But, you know, but if you talk about the memories that we store and we carry forward and have an impact on us, we can change those. Just right. like, well, we- I once, I once, I said that, you know, that death experience I used as my trump card of, Mm-hmm. That happened to you. Woohoo! Oh, I died. You know, right. it was like the Trump card of all things. Right, you know? right. And I used it like it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And a lot of those worst things, you know, emergency and emergence. You know, it's so interesting that they're the same word to emerge mm-hmm. from an emergency and understand that that what you're stamping as negative could very well be the thing that propels you like a, you know, in order to jump high, you got to bend down really low to get higher, you know? Yeah. You can't and stand there with straight legs and try to jump high. So these emergencies to emerge you out of something that gets you to this higher level, um, I now, you know, what once was, quote, the worst thing that ever happened to me, I look as one of the greatest gifts I've ever had because it has helped my clients in so many ways because I can stand there with full confidence Mm -hmm. and hold that space for them that I can see their future. And it's just stripping away the things that they've got blocking that from them. So enlightenment is not finding light somewhere and getting lighter. It's about getting rid of all the darkness that's already on your light. You already have it already. So, you know, that's the the shift of that. And by the way, I go back in time and I do change colors. And I go, Hey, if that's supposed to be a green room, painted green in your mind. So yeah. I do that. There you go. Of course you do. And I also, I, I, you know, I love hearing you talk about this because I hear, um, 
when you talked about making that shift, uh, uh, like a fearlessness in your voice, you know, we think about what do we say all the time? Well, it's not a matter of life or death. You know, we hold that up as the ultimate fear, the ultimate thing. And you experienced that already. So what is there really to be afraid of for you in life? You know, right. That's fantastic. And I've been to, I've been to, you know, in move your stuff. I talk about the, you know, I, there was such a time that I had $1 in my pocket and I Mm. kept it and I held on to it. For months and months and finally one time I saw a guy asking for begging for money and I gave it to him and I you know I was like oh at least he's got the guts to ask yeah. you know where am I yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in pride or something you know right. and um, that stopping moment of just seeing myself uh, that was the shift that made everything start happening for me so I've experienced no money I've experienced no time I've experienced, you know, like no so, lot. I mean, yeah, like, you know, no breathing. I mean, it does give you a little bit of no fear, but I do have a confidence when I do my work that, um, that I, you know, I think helps the other person. Well, it's almost like the prestige of magic. If you were to say that, you mm-hmm. know, um, a magician says, you are about to see the greatest, the most wonderful magic trick of all. Mm-hmm. So he sets you up to see that. Right, right. And so if, if a feng shui consultant comes in and says, oh, I don't know if we're going to get those, I don't know, right. I don't know, you know, um, it's really about holding that space for them to perceive that. So when they see that, you know, their life can shift. And that's, you know, in oh. a way what I do. The magic of feng shui, we'll call it. Absolutely. <laughs> and that goes into your second part, you know, getting the mind game because right. Because as people believe in you and their confidence in you emboldens them to then believe in themselves. And so they, they get into that space that you hold of confidence. And, you know, it's like um, when you're a little kid, when I was a little kid and I was on a bike with training wheels and, you know, someone was behind me holding onto the seat. And then what I didn't realize is that not only did he let go, but the training wheels were off the ground and I was riding all on my own. But I, <laughs> but I thought, you know, I thought, man, he's got a hold of me so I can do this. I can do this. And then when I realized he let go and I was still doing it, that's when I had the confidence, you know, that I could ride the bike. And that sounds like what you're, one of the things you're able to, many things you're able to do for your clients is give, help them find in that space to have faith in themselves that they can do this. They can make the change. Yes. And and the change is already here. Just see it. You know, that's a lot of the. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the, just turn the light on and and see it. It's Mm -hmm. already, you're already in the room with it. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. You also then, so you talk about preparing, getting your, you know, head in the game, modernizing your mind. I love that. And then you move into enhancing your environment. Well, this is the area where I went a little bit beyond move your stuff, change your life. Yeah. And I put a lot of the healthy home yeah. content in here. So, you know, uh, I used to have a talk entitled what happened when the outhouse came in. So when things are coming into our environment, like off gassing paint, and and carpet and mold and uh, you know Wi-Fi cordless phones wireless cell phones microwaves I know you love those microwave (laughs) yeah back in the day it's like oh my god I've been doing this like so long it's embarrassing but um, back in the day the microwave oven was the biggest like 
techno booger in the house, you know, like, oh, I just got to And people would ask me, if there's one thing you could suggest that would improve people's health, what would it be? And I would say, get rid of the microwave. Well, since that conversation, there have been so many techno things added to to a home that I don't even get down to the microwave at this point in most of my consultations. Showing people that, you know, having a cordless phone, a cordless cradle, you know, with the Mm -hmm. little phone in it in your house is like having a little mini cell tower in your house Mm -hmm. that's constantly blasting out these uh, microwaves. And uh, which is a microwave radiation. So we don't like, you know, back in the day, we only used to have UV radiation from the sun. And, you know, there was only very few places right. to get gamma radiation from these solar things happening. You know, like there was very few ways to get radiation. Mm-hmm. Well, now um, we're just without even thinking, just in the name of convenience, we're going to bring in these things that produce these types of microwave radiation, um, you know, power in our house. And I, you know, I'm just trying to clean out people's homes. And I do this when they have the complaints of I can't sleep, I have rheumatoid arthritis, blah, 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 blah. I, you know, the conversation of straight up traditional feng shui just does not address these very, in the past 15 years, you know, things that people have in their house. Right. So I look at the bow biology or the healthy home content as the modern feng shui stuff that is never in a traditional feng shui book. Right. And you give people a lot of great examples. So, um, and things to do. So even if somebody isn't ready to make, you know, um, to do everything, you, you break it out so that people can see value of making this one change or that one change. Or as you pointed out, some things may not bother you. You know, if, if this, this, this is going great in your life, then this, you know, it's probably not an issue, but if you're experiencing this, this, or this, you know, take a look at it. So, um, it makes it easier for people to then make their own individual connections about, you know, what's, what's healthy for them and in right. their home, which is right. important, which goes into then the next area is balancing your body and your own personal health. Right. So I put, yeah, I, uh, the feng shui of your body, you know, so I'm looking at yin and yang from a mm-hmm. food perspective, just instead of talking about the same old yin and yang feng right. shui story, I really talk about it with food. So mm-hmm. I have a little chart in there, page 153. It shows a little yin and yang food chart. And this is from a, uh, you know, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine uh, perspective. And then I also have the Bagua map of emotions mm-hmm. as opposed to life situation. Yeah. So I want to get people feeling right. And if they're feeling off, that's on page 169, I believe. And so when you look at that, how you've been already feng shuiing, perhaps using move your stuff, change your life, and now you can look at the Bagua, not just of career and life path or something like that, mm-hmm. but maybe being adventurous or fearless or mm-hmm. in the flow, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it, uh, it's more feeling related. And um, so because there are people that just say, oh, well, life's good, whatever. And then, but they feel bad in some way. I'm like, well, what is that emotion? Where can we address that in the home? So I can, you know, I'm trying to get people's bodies feeling better using these feng shui tactics. Absolutely. Well, people often mask both how they feel emotionally and physically, you know, um, something that they're not comfortable dealing with or feeling or experiencing gets 
you know, covered over. And Mm -hmm. so your book helps people dig around a little bit. And sometimes (laughs) you have to move some emotions around, you know, to see what's really going on, you know, because it's been easier to pay attention to this over here, but this area, just like in your home, this area really needs attention. Well, within yourself and, uh, and, and your last section is kind of some soul food, um, where you're really talking about nurturing and serving your spirit, you know, that, that energy inside of you, that immutable core that was in you that existed when you died and re-energized your body when you started breathing again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So understanding why people meditate, how to meditate, what is that whole thing? You know, remember, like attracts like, and what's right. just giving to receive? And, you know, my, my chronic weakness, if I were to say, uh, is I have issues with time. Mm-hmm. Ever since this death experience, time is like my Achilles tendon. Um, and so I'm always, if I, if I have a complaint, there's always, it's time. There's, there's a time component to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, for people who have not experienced this death situation, mm-hmm. you know, I, it took me two years to re-engage in the world. And, um, you know, trying to explain somebody that I was ticked off, really ticked off, um, not, you know, because I had the death experience, because I came back. You know, that's a hard thing for people to say, well, wait a minute, you know, isn't that the worst thing? Well, not if you've been there. So understanding why I'm here, well, move your stuff and make a shift uh, would have never happened. These two books wouldn't even be around if I would have blinked off and never came back when I was 23 years old back then. So understanding why I'm here and and who I'm here to serve and how how can I serve and just knowing these sort of innate, uh, you know, wisdom things that I picked up on the other side. And then understanding the giving, you know, giving to receive. And so people say, oh, I don't have enough money. Well, start giving your money away. Yeah. I don't yeah. have enough time. Start volunteering. Right. It's so um, against the, you know, every fiber of your being to do so. But um, that is an energy game that you're playing there. It does. And I feel the very thing you're looking for. And I feel like it goes right back to intention because for me, when I do that, I'm acknowledging within me, you know, okay, if I'm going to give this time, my time is so valuable to me, but I'm going to give this time in this way because that's also valuable. And that's when more time comes along or money or whatever it is, because you're really honoring the value of it. Um, and yet you're, but you're honoring it with an open heart, meaning I'm not going to come from a place of deprivation that feels like I have to cling to it because it's all I'm ever going to get. So I'm going to give freely because within reason, you know, within, uh, because not in a way that, that cripples a person, you know, but within reason, but with an open heart and a valuing it. So even if it is like that, it was a dollar, but that dollar was significant that you gave away. Right. I would say that it never feels reasonable when you're doing it. So, (laughs) well, that's (laughs) (laughs) to me, I have to, you know, I go through a funk and I've actually said in my book, I think the funk is part of the equation. (laughs) You know, I have to go, wait a minute, I can pay my bills with that. Why am I? I go through this sort of bizarre thing that is in the ritual of, of giving tithing or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And, um, so to me, I'm just like, I'm just used to, uh, that's part of the, 
That's part of the equation. That's part of the equation. Also, I think you live big. I think you I think you live big. You do everything big. That's my feeling. Well, about there you. is a little bit of um, <laughs> once you once you do the dead and come back. Thing, yeah, I was gonna say. Fear, I mean, that's what I mean. Fear it's has like, a different yeah. It yeah. has a different animal. You know, <laughs> I'm not as fearful as other people. I guess no, maybe. Yeah. Well, Karen, you've been such a delight and and also a trooper because uh, you know we had some technical difficulties. We had to switch mediums here a couple times. I will uh, cobble together all this great conversation, hopefully into a coherent podcast, but. I want to thank you so much and let everybody know that you have a great website, Karen Raw Carter, K A R E N R A U C H C A R T E R dot com, where you have information about um, the work you do. Um, you have tips. You have um, instructional information. Um, ways that people can sign up for your. Um, uh, to, they can contact you or they can sign up uh, for your newsletter and the goodies that you send out and keep up on where you're at and where you're speaking and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, there's a there's an easier URL, moveitwithkaren.com. Okay. Uh, that can just, you know, they just type their name and email in, and they'll start, you know, getting into the site and things. But that one, but if you go there, it gives you a, a webinar for free, and it shows you one of the, one of my favorite, I would say the top kind of a, furniture arrangement thing. I call it position yourself for success because most people just want to talk about furniture arranging from a feng shui point of view. And so if they go to moveitwithkaren.com and type in their name and email, they can get this free webinar too. So why not? There's a yes, gift Yes, love it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for uh, sharing your work. Uh, your books are great. And I am going to, um, I did my, since I was uh, late discovering the second book, I did my, and this, I do this with almost any book that's meaningful to me in this kind of genre. Sometimes I'll do a fast read because I sort of want to take it all in and then I go back and I work on the the areas that I feel drawn to spend more time on. So I'm going to enjoy that book. I, I used your first book over and over again and I know the second book will be the same way. So I thank you so much. Um, for any, any other last comments you want to make to folks before I close this off? I just say, you know, have the energy of trust and faith and feel good kind of, you know, good feelings, energy and, and all that with the right intentions. I really, you know, I think the light will shine, you know, and they'll just grow body, mind, spirit as well as their environment. So it's just, you know, making sure they're, they're feeling good. It's all about, you know, holding that higher vibrating place. So I Thank can't you. wait to see it. You know, it's my intention to feng shui the world one house and one person at a time. So and I think you're the, I think you're list, the person to do it. More. There you go. <laughs> For everybody listening, have a beautiful day.